listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Northside this morning, I want to begin with kind of a look back at, at where we've been. And, and if you've been in this journey with us, maybe this is a review for you. If you're somewhat new to Northside, maybe this is just kind of an overview of a few things we talked about a few weeks back that's going to relate to what we're going to talk about today. Because for 12 weeks, we've been in this series called Do What Jesus Did. Do What Jesus Did. What Jesus did is he made disciples. What Jesus did is he told people to follow him and that he would make them fishers of people. He wanted people to go from followers to fishers, followers to fishers. What Jesus did is he modeled for us even a way to do that, a way to make disciples in this world. What Jesus did is he gave us this great commission. That go, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He showed us what to do. He told us what to do. He showed us how to do it. And what I want to do today is just put a few bullet points up here that you have seen before if you've been with us for several weeks. If you've not been... If you haven't been, this will be a good little overview for you. But some things that have really been challenging us when it comes to disciple making. So let me just throw this up here. You can see it on the screen right here. But like this, for example, if we are not involved somehow in the process of making disciples, we are not disciples. That was an ouch moment whenever we talked about that several weeks ago. If we're not involved somehow in the process of making disciples, then we're not disciples. Because if disciples follow Jesus, if disciples do what Jesus did, if disciples do what Jesus tells them to do, but we're not involved in the process of making disciples, then we are not a disciple. Because disciples of Jesus are involved somehow in the process of making disciples. And we began to see that this has to be something that's in the DNA of what we do. We saw this, that Jesus is calling us to move from just following Jesus to helping others follow Jesus. This is not about just me following Jesus. We've got to help others follow Jesus. And so many believers never get the joy and the challenges of helping someone else follow Jesus. We saw this, that Jesus' mission was not to reach the world, but to make disciples who were capable of reaching the world. Had Jesus just reached the world himself, it would have lasted for his generation. But he made disciples who would make disciples so that today over 2.2 billion people would say that they believe and follow Jesus. We saw this, that a disciple is more than someone saved by Jesus. A disciple is entrusted with the ministry of Jesus. We're not just saved. Jesus is calling us. He's calling you to be a participant with him on his ministry team. This is what Jesus wants from us. And when we looked at the ministry of Jesus, we just saw this pattern over and over again where he would enter into new places where there were lost people. You know, I was there at one time. I too was lost, dead, guilty of my sins. Jesus would enter into lost places. And then Jesus would share the gospel and disciple those who would believe and form them into new communities gatherings, what we would call today churches. And we would see this pattern of developing leaders within the church who would then go out from the church. And then number six, they would repeat the process. 
And over the last five weeks, we've been talking about those first five things on this list. Today, what I want to talk about is number six, repeat the process. Repeat the process. If we're going to repeat the process, then it implies that disciple-making must become our DNA. It must become ingrained in who we are, what we do. It must become a part of our culture as a church, who we are, not just what we do. Disciple-making should be so ingrained, ingrained into what we believe, ingrained into how we behave. In other words, it's not just the head, it's our actions. We don't just know how to do it, we have want to do it. We want to do it. Someone once said that, that, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture eats strategy. In other words, we can have a strategy to make disciples, but if it's not a part of our culture, then we're not going to do it. If it's not a part of our culture, if it's not in our DNA, then that vision for disciple-making, it's going to drift. It won't be sustained. We, we have to grow a heart for disciple-making, not just the skill for disciple-making, because without the heart, without the want-to, It's going to fade away. It's going to fall short. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard to do. And this is why I'm so encouraged whenever I get to hear the stories I hear like a couple weeks ago when I was talking to Tara and Dustin Harris about some things that they are really, it's really stretching them in their faith. Ethan Cummings in our church has been a part of this with Dustin as well. And I want them just to share their story of how God has been helping them go enter into lost places and to plant seeds of the gospel. And I want you just to hear their story. It's on the screen right now. Hi, I'm Dustin Harris. This is my wife, Tara Harris. This is our friend and uh, neighbor, Ethan Cummins. And we're just here to share a little bit of our experience here and our faith journey here recently. My wife and I, we were getting discipled by Pam and Paul Highfield here from Northside every Monday night for the last two years. And the reason for that is just because we wanted to be more equipped for ministry. Um, we wanted to be better disciples and better disciple makers as well as better at evangelizing. And so um, Pam and Paul, they uh, started pouring into my wife and I. And uh, as that's been taking place for the last two years, it's built our faith up in, in such a way to where we're a lot more um, willing to go. And uh, so an opportunity presented itself at my job um, with a friend of ours. His name's Harold. Him and his brother are pastors here in Springfield, and they have a jail ministry in Polk County. That Polk County um, is uh, in Bolivar, and uh, so we go up there once a month, and we get an opportunity to go into jails with these guys and the women, and uh, we get to minister to them. Um, We get to love on them and encourage them, um, show them some support. Um, We get to go in there. We get one whole hour um, with them once a month. It's been... A struggle to go each time. Um, Ethan and I are about to throw up <laughs> every time before we get there because we're just so nervous. And uh, but it's been impactful for us because it's been an opportunity for myself to get to be able to teach a little bit and to uh, to minister to people. Um, we've been in those same situations in jails um, in our past, and we know how hopeless the people are in there and powerless and. Uh, we know that they're hurting in a lot of different ways. And so we just go there to show them some support and to give them the greatest hope, Jesus Christ. And so as we've been in there, we've got to uh, experience different things. Um, there's been people that didn't want to hear us. They just pushed their blankets in the holes of the cells sometimes. Um, and there's been times where we've had people that are just falling down, receptive, um, hungry for the word. 
Yeah, there was, um, on July 4th, there was a man named Daniel, and he um, decided he wanted to come to the Lord, and um, he did. And um, It was amazing, um, because on July 4th is Independence Day for, for the United States, but here it is Independence Day for this man. He received forgiveness of his sins. And uh, as we've been in there previously, later on, we've heard the same guy, Daniel's in there running Bible studies now. And so it's just been amazing um, to see that, um, some fruit of the ministry. Um, and it, like I said, it's been difficult. It's hard for us to go in there. But each time there's some people that are receptive. There's some people that are not. Um, but just moving in there and sowing the seed. And we've had a couple of people like Kyle that's uh, even been yanking on our shoulders like, hey, I want to receive Jesus, you know, as my Savior. And it's just been it's been very healthy for us as we've been growing. And so this last couple of months, my wife has been led to, to go into the ministry. So she'll share that with you. Um, yeah, I had was not really um, wanting to do the jail ministry much um, until I seen um, just what was going on with Dustin and Ethan and the fruit that was there. Um, so I was being led to go. Um, the first opportunity came, and I chickened out. <laughs> and so um, I spent the next couple of weeks being convicted, like I had really let the Lord down and I didn't obey. Um, and so I made the decision, okay, God, I'm going the next month. I'm doing this. And so um, from that point on, I was ready until that the week before. Um, the week before came, and I was being attacked. I was being attacked with my faith. Um, I was arguing with my husband. I was arguing with my mom. Um, I had changed my mind about going to the jail ministry two or three different times. Um, and he knew that without me even having to say anything. Um, but Sunday came around, and Alan was preaching on going to the harder places, um, going out and reaching those people, and having um, a, what kind of attitude um, it takes to go out and do that. And so I felt like that was right to towards me. And so um, I went to Decision Point and I just kind of told him, look, this is the week that I'm having. This is why. <laughs> um, and I need your prayer. Um, I need you to pray um, just for tomorrow. Pray that I actually go and that um, just things, you know, that I'm able to um, minister to these ladies and give them hope and um, just share what the Lord has done for me in my life. And so um, I did. I got in the van. Um, I had a complete attitude adjustment from that sermon. And um, I had um, a lot of people praying. You know, Alan was praying. Pastor was praying. Um, I had a friend of mine, Patty, um, from church praying with me. And so um, I felt like I was really ready and equipped. Like he said, he was sick on the way up there. Um, and it was smooth sailing for me. Um, so we had got there. And... Um, Luckily, I was able to go in. I passed a background check, and um, when I got in there, um, it was just a it was just a day room with a table, and there was a few uh, cells in front of me. Two out, two of the cells didn't want any kind of ministry; they had their lights off. Um, but the ones that had their lights on, they had their faces in their windows, and they were ready. Um, the girls that I had went, they kind of had a plan, um, but we all were a little nervous. Um, so things got quiet um, after we took prayer requests and um 
I felt led just to share my testimony. So I kind of took a step back and took a seat down on the floor and I shared. And um, I had shared where I've been and where I was without the Lord and where I am now with the Lord and the transformation that he has done in my heart and in my life. And um, right before our hour was up, um, the girl that was with me, she had just kind of asked, does anybody not know the Lord as their Savior? And if you do want to, just let us know. And a girl named Natasha, she jumped off her bunk and she said, I do. I want to know the Lord. And so um, I was able to just bend down with her and hold her hands through the little latch on the door and just kind of pray with her. And um, right there, she, she confessed and she believed and she accepted Christ. And I just cried with her and prayed with her. And I told her, you know, today you, you will always remember this day. And so um, she wrote it down and I loved on her and encouraged her. You know, I don't know what her next steps are. She don't know what's going to happen, but I told her she needed to get into a church, um, be baptized and continue um, this Christ um continue to put um, Christ in her life and um, her faith journey just to continue it. And um, it was amazing. It was amazing. And so um, God is so good um, to take my past and be able to transform me to be able to go and share in them darker places. Yeah. So Monday we'll be going back. So if you guys could be praying for these individuals um, and for us as we go. Um, and if anyone feels a, a, a tug on their heart that might won't be interested in something like this, they can get a hold of Pastor and we can uh, contact you guys and see what we can maybe get happening there. Okay. Amen. Can we just celebrate? Just praise God uh, for Dustin and Tara, for Ethan as well. Just their their obedience to the Lord. Uh, you know, Ethan, he's, he's like a world-class jiu-jitsu guy. Like, he's full-time jiu-jitsu. And even he wanted to throw up, you know, before they go. I mean, you just, they know that this kind of fight, this is spiritual warfare, requires prayer. We got to go in with prayer. And that's what they're doing, and that's what they're asking for. And so I, wanna, I want us to do that together, because they're going tomorrow night. Dustin and Tara are on their kind of an anniversary uh, getaway weekend this weekend. So that's why we filmed them, because they couldn't be here today. But I want us to pray for them, so maybe they'll feel your prayers right now, where we can pray in agreement together for what God's going to do through them this week as they just go and minister to people. So church, just pray together. Pray with me. Pray uh, on their behalf before the Lord. And, and Heavenly Father, we do just pray for Dustin and Tara, for Ethan right now, knowing, God, that, Lord, you're using them, you're sending them into this place. You've opened a door wide for them to go in a place where doors seem to be closed shut physically. And yet at the same time, hearts are open. And Lord, I know sometimes they go in and they're just, they're, they're in a hallway like that with cells. But other times, I know for Dustin and Ethan, they're just going into, into those cells with a group of guys where they can sit and talk and pray together. And Lord, I want to pray that you would go before them. I pray that, that their presence would be the presence of Jesus. I pray that their heart would be the heart of Jesus. That their love would be the love of Jesus. That their words would be the words of Jesus. And Lord, you would be preparing the hearts and the soil of the people right there where they're going. That Holy Spirit, you would move and work in that place, knowing as they go that there are people who desperately need Jesus. We know Jesus came to set the captives free. It's why he came and he wants to do that for them. And so we pray that God, you would use them. We pray for strength and for courage, help them to overcome the evil one as he wants to do everything in his power to discourage them, to put fear into them. Lord, to wreak havoc, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Holy Spirit, 
Would you work in them and prepare them for this? And we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my prayer, not just for them, but for you today, would be this. That you'd be able to say, I'm a participant in the work of making disciples. Everybody say that with me. I'm a participant in the work of making disciples. That is my prayer for you. Our text today comes from Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. And I want us to look at this together as we look up to what God has to say to us because it says in this text, as Paul is writing here, he says, So Christ himself gave some, gave, for Christ himself gave the apostles. Now, when you, when you see this word apostles, don't just think the 12. Think those who are sent. Think church planters, pioneers. Think that kind of thing. Those sent out. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, Think those who are forth-telling the truth of God's Word. The evangelists. Think soul winners. The pastors and teachers. Think trainers, coaches. He gave them to equip His people for works of service. Christ Himself gave them to equip His people for works of service. God's people are not to be observers. They're not to be content in their holy huddles. They're to be participating and equipped for works of service. And he goes on, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. When Paul uses the word infants here, it's used in a negative connotation. Then we won't be infantile and stupid. You know, when you first come to faith, you are like a babe in Christ. He's not trying to be offensive here. But to stay a babe, to not grow, to not mature, to not participate in acts of service would be infantile and stupid. So he says, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He's saying here that every part of the body is to do work. You are to be equipped for works of service. You're to grow as you work. You're to be built up in love as you work. You're to grow in maturity, increase in love. And that does not happen apart from being in the work. If you're not involved, if you're not doing your part, then you're not growing, you're stuck. And the bad thing about that is if you're stuck, then that means the church gets stuck because you are the church. You make up the church. The church is not an organ. It's not an organization. It's an organism. Uh, the church is made up of people. And when you're stuck, the church gets stuck. And then we're not on mission. Then we're not doing our part because each part's not doing its part. Everyone is to be involved in the work, the process of disciple making in service to God. And so I want you to say these words again. I'm a participant in the work of making disciples. Say that with me. I'm a participant in the work of making disciples. If you're not empowered, if you're not equipped for service, then you will not be who Christ made you to be. If you're not involved in the service, then you're not going to mature in Christ. And our goal is to mature in Christ, to be completely and fully like Him. And if we're to become like Him, then we've got to be a part of the work because Christ not only is a part of the work, Christ is in the work, Christ is the work.
Maturity means fully grown. Maturity then has to mean more than just being a Christian for a lot of years because there's people who have been Christians for decades, but they're not making disciples. They're not growing in maturity. Maturity has to be more than just coming every single Sunday. It's got to be more than church attendance because there's people who have been coming every Sunday, but that doesn't mean that they, even though they're gathering or making disciples, maturity has to be more than just saying, I know more stuff. I know a lot more. I know God's word now. I feel fully knowledgeable with the, it's got to mean more than that. In spite of what I said in second grade when I was writing that paper, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I actually wrote on the paper, I want to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was second grade. I was writing that. And one of the reasons I gave for why I wanted to do that was so I could say memory verses and say them longer. (laughs) Apparently every preacher I knew could say memory verses and say them longer, you know. And so I guess that's what it was. Is that really the goal is that I can say memory verses longer? Is that what it is? Does that mean I'm mature just because I can say memory verses longer? Maturity means that I'm pursuing Christ, believing, behaving, actively participating in works of service. Spiritual maturity, it's, it's not a destination at which you arrive. It's a direction in which you're moving. And Ephesians says it happens as each part does its work. It's not just believing, it's behaving. It's not just observing, it's participating. And that's really what all of our disciple-making trainings are equipping you to do. You heard in our Next Steps video that we have another training today from 2.30 to 5.30. I want to invite all of you to come. You're all invited. And if you already came to session one, uh, we're going to have that up here. Uh, session. So let me back up. If, if you did not come to session one yet, then you need to come to session one. Disciple making training session one today. It's at 2.30 and it's going to be in room 261, which is right over here by the canopy uh, drive through over here on entrance three of our building. If you did come last uh, month to our training, then you need to come to session two. And our session two training is going to be today at the same time, but it's going to be up here in M1 in our mezzanine. And so session one, you're going to get a little how to and want to as we go through that together. Session two, you're going to review some of that and then you're going to get be able to put some feet to that and what that actually looks like. And so we want to invite you to come today to be a part of this. We have session one and two going on from 2.30 to 5.30. Brian King and, and Charlie Spencer are back with us today. We're so excited to have them with us. And if you met them last week, you know why. And so just grateful uh, for that. I want you to be a part of it, to join us in this. And one of the reasons I want to encourage you to join us in this is because if you don't, you might become like Dave Cannon. You don't want to be like Dave Cannon. Who's Dave Cannon? Well, I came across this article And this was the title of the article. Man becomes missionary to remote African village so he doesn't have to share the gospel with a co-worker. Now, there might be some satire here, but here's how it goes. Rather than going through the unmitigated awkwardness of sharing the gospel with his co-worker, Brad, local man Dave Cannon has instead quit his job and become a missionary to a remote village in Africa. Look, I knew how offended he would be, and it it would have been so weird at the office, explained Mr. Cannon. So I gladly gave up all my worldly possessions and traveled across the ocean to share with everyone I meet, Jesus saved me, just not with Brad. Like most humans, Mr. Cannon found the idea of talking about Jesus to a neighbor or a co-worker infinitely more terrifying than talking to someone from a tribe he's never encountered. Neighbors are so scary, said Mr. Cannon, as he threw a viper out of his mosquito net. 
Once you actually engage in that first real conversation, there's no going back to the days of just waving as you close the garage door. You never know what you might have just signed up for, and then you're stuck forever. I'll take my chances with malaria, thank you very much. (laughs) Mr. Cannon had reportedly tried a couple of occasions to at least broach the topic of church, but ended up chickening out like a wimp. My heart would start racing just at the thought of telling Brad what I actually do on a Sunday, said Mr. Cannon. I would feel the Holy Spirit pushing me to simply be open with Brad about how God had changed me. And in response, I sold my house and moved to Zambia. I think I made the right call. At publishing time, Mr. Cannon had finished reading about Jonah and decided to go back home to tell Brad about Jesus before the Lord chucked him in the ocean to be swallowed by a huge freaking fish. That was the end of the article. I laughed a little bit at reading that. But at the same time, I think there might be some Mr. Cannons around here. Some Mr. Cannons that need to be equipped. Mr. Cannons that need to be empowered. Mr. Cannons that need some accountability. Mr. Cannons that need prayer so they can do the work of service. Mr. Cannons who don't need to move to a remote part of Africa. Look, I know we're gifted in different ways. Some of you have the gift of faith and you believe and you trust in God even when your world's falling apart and things are hopeless. Others of you have the gift of evangelism and sharing the gospel in compelling ways and powerful ways. God uses you significantly now. Others of you have the gift of generosity and you meet needs for people who are hurting and struggling in such a way that it shines the light of Christ into their life. We all bring our gifts to the table in so many different ways to be used by God and to advance His kingdom. But regardless of your gift, every single one of you has a role to play in disciple making. So abiding in prayer and going into the harvest field and helping sow seeds of the gospel and making disciples and using your gifts to build up the kingdom and helping to form churches that are reaching others and reproducing. We all have a role to play in this. I know we have different personality styles. I understand that. We have different behavior styles and and God will use that. Some of you are extroverts and man, you love going and talking to strangers and you're out there talking to all kinds of people. Others of you are introverts. And so for you, you're more interested in building authentic relationships, working one-on-one, going deep with people, with those that you interact with. Disciple-making is not relegated to people with certain gift mixes. It's not relegated to people with certain personality or behavior styles. It doesn't matter what your Enneagram number is. Every single one of you is to be involved in the role of making disciples. You, you, you are to participate. That's the emphasis of Ephesians 4. We are participants. And not only are you a participant, you've been empowered by God to do this. Like this text from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5, that says, As you come to Him, to Him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the living stone. He's the cornerstone. He's the one everything's built upon. But He is building us up as spiritual living stones into this spiritual house. Why is he doing this? So that we will be a holy priesthood offering sacrifices to God. Do you hear what he's saying there? Jesus has made you a living stone in his house. Why? So that you can serve 
On behalf of God, look at what the priests did throughout the Old Testament. They they were ministering before the Lord. Jesus is the high priest who intercedes between us and God. But God has given you the role of priest to do the work of the ministry, to do the work that he's given you, to serve before the Lord, minister before the Lord, help people encounter God in a powerful way. This is now your role. This is called the priesthood of all believers. So Ephesians chapter 4 emphasizes the participation of every believer, but 1 Peter chapter 2 emphasizes the priesthood of every believer. And so the role of every pastor or teacher is to equip the saints for service so that you might participate. The role of every believer is to be empowered to do ministry because you are priests serving the living God. You are equipped and empowered. You are to believe and to behave. And that's why, Northside, we want to create a culture. We want to create a culture, a new culture, where every person is trained and empowered to be a disciple maker, where it's ingrained into our DNA, where the emphasis is not on making disciples, but it's on making disciple makers. Disciples who participate. Disciples who are empowered. The disciples who do what Jesus has called them to do. Several weeks ago, I mentioned that there's a difference between traditional ministry and disciple-making movements, that they look a little different. That in traditional ministry, which is a lot like what Northside's looked like for years, oftentimes it's a few people doing all the work some of the time. That's the way service looks like. It's a few people doing all the work some of the time. But in a movement, it's a lot of people doing a little bit of work all the time because they've been equipped and empowered, because they believe that they are to be participants in disciple-making, because they are growing in maturity to be a part of the body of Christ. They are seeing movement. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter chapter 2 emphasizes this. And that's why there are places all around our world, including in the United States, but also in places like in India, where Josh Howard, for the last, where eight years ago, Josh was with CICM, a ministry that we have supported for many years as a church. And Josh shared with those of us who were a part of a, a training cohort with him just how God had really transformed his thinking about disciple making and had put a dream in his heart that there would be a disciple making movement in his region in central India there. And he was part of, uh, he went to this large church plant, been planted 150 years ago by missionaries. And, and he went to share his heart and God's dream for that. And he, he was sharing about the multiplication movement that was happening in China and what God could do here. And he said he preached the best sermon he'd ever preached in his life. He said it, it happened to 1,200 people that were there that day. And he, he was just inviting people to come who would want to be a part of something like this, to see a disciple-making movement and to take those next steps. He said 12 people came out of the 1,200. And and he actually was very discouraged in that moment, disappointed in that moment. I just gave the most compelling sermon I've ever given in my life from 12 people. Someone told him, well, Jesus seemed to do pretty good with 12 people. He said of the 12 that were, the difference might be this, there were 11 who just really kind of wanted a Bible study. That's really all that they really, once they got into it, really there for. But he said there was one. There was one out of the 12. He was a village guy. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. He said, I, I guess if you were to put on paper, who would you invite 
to help start a disciple-making movement. This isn't the guy that probably would have been the first one on the list or the first, the qualities you would even think of. And yet in the first two weeks that he was meeting with this guy, that guy started eight house churches in surrounding villages in central India. And Josh knew something was, something had started. In 2020, 5,118 churches were started in India that were a part of that network. He said it was more than we had planted in 40 years history as an organization. In July of 2022, in South Asia and through his network there, they've seen over 4,100 churches started. 27,000 people have come to Christ in the last six months of 2022, in the first six months of 2022, through that network. God is moving in remarkable ways, in amazing ways. And he says it's all because God lifted up our eyes off of just the traditional ways we were doing things. And we began to set our eyes on biblical pathways, what it looked like to make disciples. And church, we need to see that happen here in Greene County. We need that here. And you know what? Maybe one out of 12, maybe one out of 12 of you, maybe 12 out of 1,200, and then one out of 12, maybe you're ready to jump in with both feet to seeing a disciple-making movement happen here. Maybe you want to be trained. Maybe today you're sitting at the end of a row or on a back row or somewhere in the church and you've not been fired up or engaged about church or ministry for years. You come and you listen to a message and maybe some things speak, maybe some things don't. Maybe you go through a worship service and you're observing, you're watching. I mean, you'll participate some, but nothing's fired you up. But the idea of going into a harvest field and sharing your faith and getting engaged in ministry and making disciples and going into difficult places and participating in kingdom advancement and getting on the front lines of all of that and taking risks and going to dark places, maybe even entering into a jail cell with some other people, maybe something like that would actually fire you up. Maybe you'd be like, now that sounds like something I'd like to be a part of. That's something I would like to do. We'll start by coming to our training today, 2.30. You don't need RSVP, you just need to show up and be there. And maybe every one of you can just reflect on this. Because yes, every one of us needs to be trained. We all need to be equipped of how we can make disciples better. And that's one of the roles I have in this church is to help you with that too. But traditionally in the church, we don't have a training problem. We've We've got a heart problem. It seems oftentimes we, we, we know what to do, or maybe we might even know how to do it, but maybe we don't have the want to. Maybe it's not in our culture, in our DNA. And then what we need is a heart transplant from the Lord. We need a new, whole new operating system to do things, and we just need to ask God to give us a heart for the lost, a heart for the community, a heart for people one at a time. In fact, that's, I'll just give you a little teaser. That's going to be in 2023. Uh, we're going to have a new series starting that's going to be tied in with our small groups is called one at a time, one at a time, how Jesus did this. And, but for this to become a part of our DNA, we, we got to live this. We got to breathe it. It's, it's got to consume our rhythms as we go through our days, our, our rhythm of prayer every day, Bible reading every day, praying about this. We, we, we need to fast at least once a week, at least two meals every week so that we're, we're praying about this. We're thinking about this. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be involved in disciple-making in some way. We need to be helping form new churches and raising up leaders so we can reach people in this county who will never even ever step foot into these doors. We've got to go there. We can't expect them to come here.
And I just want to encourage you this because in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's one of my prayers today is we would give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Fully. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're like some of our friends in the Polk County Jail. Maybe you're like Natasha. Maybe you're here today and you're ready to jump off your bunk. And you're saying, I need Jesus. I need that. I need, I need the life change, Tara, that you've experienced. I need that. Maybe you're Kyle who's pulling on the sleeve. who's pulling on the sleeve of Dustin and saying, I, I want that. I need that. I need a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I, I want to meet with you today over here at Decision Point. I want to pray with you. If you're watching online, I, I want you to go to our website and, and just go to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision and begin a conversation with us. Maybe you're a Natasha who's heard about the Lord, who's already confessed and, and believed right there, locked into a cell. And maybe you've done that too, but you've not ne- taken that next step that Terry mentioned and you haven't been baptized into Christ. Today you're saying, I need to do that. I need that relationship with Jesus. I need to be baptized into Christ and experience the forgiveness that he brings. Maybe you're like Daniel. Daniel who came to know Jesus right there in that cell as Dustin and Ethan were sharing with him. And and then they go back. And then when back later, they found that he had been talking to other prisoners and sharing with them what he have been learning. Maybe you need to do that today and make that decision. I'm going to take what I've learned. I'm going to share it with someone else. Maybe you're here and you know you're going to encounter someone today. You're going to encounter someone this week who's hurting. Maybe you'll encounter someone who, a family that was affected by what happened on Thursday this week when they were at Hillcrest High School and that horrible hoax came through and a false report and Everybody was mobilized and kids were looking out their windows seeing police and SWAT teams converge on their school and kids are being ushered out and the fear of all of that. And maybe you're going to encounter someone who's from that school and you can just say, could I just pray for you? What's on your heart? What's on your mind? Where God's opening a door in their hearts right now for you to pray for them. That's what we want to do. And we just want to take a few moments right now of guided prayer. Let the Lord lead us and And then when Corey invites us to stand and sing, I'm going to step out to decision point. You're in this room right now. I'd love to meet you over there as we do. But let's spend a few moments right now preparing our hearts in prayer with the Lord. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.